Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> what's good, people? It's the one and only Dope Knife. I am one of several million lingua franca. There's not that many. Check, okay, check it though. If you're like one in a million, that means there's thousands of people yeah, just like yeah. you in the world. So I'm <laughs> one of many lingua francas. And then we didn't even get into like the multiverse. Probably a but there is only one waiting on reparations podcast. That is though, true. So. In the entire multiverse, there's only one waiting on reparations podcast. Happy uh, uh, first day of Black History Month. Yeah, we're recording this on there. the first day of Black History Month. Um, how are you? How do you celebrate the month of Black History? You know, I, I try to um, stay a little, just get a little extra black for the yeah. month. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to be black, you know, for the other 11 months. And it's like you just this, this one month you add in like an extra coat and walk around. Yeah. You know, just super proud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> what I always find such to be such a relief about Black History Month is that there's so little black history that it'll just squeeze into 28 days. Just cover yeah, the whole yeah. thing. The yeah. Whole, the whole entire speed experience. Run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> speed run. There's like so little to cover. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't need the long extended series. We can get it all done in this one. Yeah, this one month. the full this cinematic universe. <laughs> speaking of multiverses. Oh, you want to speak, speaking of whack stuff happening on Black History Month. So the day before Black History Month, and even I think some of this shit was today, but over a dozen or just about a dozen uh, historically black colleges got bomb threats to Bro, kick the month off. Me? Yeah, my uh, my uh, former alma mater, Howard University, uh, Alcorn State University, Coppin State, Edward Waters University, Fort Valley State, the University of the District of Columbia, Morgan State, Kentucky State, Xavier University, and more. Yeah, like they Bruh, uh, all got bomb threats. They had to cancel classes or close altogether. Um, what do you think? something like that means i mean apparently uh throughout the past few months these colleges have been getting threats leading up but um 
with it kind of happening seemingly it's i mean i i obviously it's not a coincidence but what do, what do you think about that how does that make you feel okay i'm zooming way out i'm zooming way way out into thinking about how do we transition white people into the coming multiracial democracy that is that is inevitable i mean maybe the democracy part i don't know do we live in a democracy now unclear but a, a multiracial society it's coming they're going to be the minority um and this is going to be an unpopular take. But let's get for getting into the Black History Month. Let's think about it at the end of his life, Martin Luther King Jr., the only black person to um, ever have a mass movement that achieved things. By the way, the not, only one. Don't let them, t- you know, fi- uh, Huey Newton fictional. Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to like, I don't want to parse like, you know, hairs or anything like that. But do we mean like, but let me, let me, in terms let, of getting, getting a movement, I'm just, getting I'm stuff just done. playing, I'm just playing on, I'm okay. playing on the whole, like, there's not a whole lot of black history thing. Okay. okay yeah. Okay, all these bad, other cats, bad. like, yeah, didn't exist in the textbooks, didn't exist in real life for all I know. Um, yeah. You know, they're just the, the fodder of like HBO Max features Judas and the Black oh, Messiah. But anyway. Um, so towards the end of his life, MLK started to recognize that they needed a multiracial working class movement of people all fighting for economic freedom together in order to take on the government. And that's effectively why he got assassinated, right? And so yeah. uh, so in, in, to answer the question, so taking like a couple of leaps forward of like, I bomb threats against universities because white people are feeling insecure about their increasingly marginal status in our society. How do we get people less freaked out? And we've talked about this on the show before about like, you know, working class or blue collar white people. Like, are they racist? I don't know. I can't remember what we were talking about. But like, I think one way to diffuse these tensions is to come up with like universalist, like, you know, policies that if you are, uh, you know, a white, like Wendy's worker or a black um, Wendy's worker, all y'all can agree like, yeah, we down with free college. That's what's up. I'm good with it. Uh, Cause like there's this fear that like black people are taking things away from everyone else. Oh, affirmative action. Oh, they're putting the interracials in the in the OK Cupid ads and like shit. People like let's give everybody at the bottom some shit so we can stop fighting amongst ourselves and maybe white people will stop giving bomb threats to black schools. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. Although I don't know. I mean, I feel also, like I, this is overly optimistic. I think some like fascist recalcitrance there's really just nothing you can do de-radicalization yeah. is just not my field go get it no, I, if that's I, what you do but yeah no nah, i don't know i feel i mean it, it definitely you know it, it's it rings of all that um stuff that we were talking about with christopher goldsmith the other day like it just it rings of some fucking social media hoaxy type of you know, like, we're going to send him a bomb threat to the beginning of Black History Month, man. You know what I mean? It, it seems, like, super incel and shit like that. And I don't know. I, I, I hope that, you know, worst case or best case scenario, I guess, at this point is, like, I hope that it's just threats. And it's just, I do, you know, too. I, people it, it, doing stuff for... Yeah, I hope, it, I hope it's just threats. I am also in this conversation reckoning with how deadened I have become to, like, threats of all kinds. Like, ah, oh, yeah. people talk mad shit. They gonna do shit. They gonna do shit. When it's like, nah, man, sometimes, like, shit goes really bad and, like, you should take it really seriously. But, like, I mean, my I, reaction is I'm just, like, so dead inside from, like, being threatened a great deal. Yeah, I don't know I just, what like, the... I, I don't know. I just can't feel anything about it. I don't know what the uh, statistics are or anything like that, but I'm imagining that 
for the most part, when people call in a threat or when people like send a threatening letter or something like that, that those ones on average don't result in anything. It's it's kind of the ones that you have to worry about just just going out and doing the shit. That's more of the worry. That's that's the why I'm saying this one made me think that it was more like of a you know social media something to do to see the headlines of Twitter and everybody retweeting the story that sort of shit. But you know on on some more positive notes, I started because um, uh, I've been you know I've been working on the same graphic novel for the last few years. I've been talking about on the show. It's still being colored by the way. It's almost done. But I started writing again, and I was. Uh, brainstorming some ideas for a new comic and shit and I came up with an idea to do something that's kind of like a Lord of the Ringsy Conan the Barbarian-ish sort of thing but set in like ancient Africa mm-hmm. you know kind of like a Middle Earth but with the basis of it being like pre-colonial or even like BC Africa you know mm-hmm. um, and yeah. what it what, so, so what is your okay so what is your process or something like this? You said you worked on the last one for like three years. So like, yeah. when does this shit drop? I'm trying to like, I want to read it. I want to read it now. Where is okay, it? Okay, so also for the so for the, the last one that I was working on, so the process for that, I mean, I'll, I'll write the, wrote the story, like a little treatment of what the story is. Then uh, storyboarded out all the pages, then drew all the shit. And then after drawing it, you know what I mean? It's like visualizing, knowing what the story is, visualizing it and drawing it. And then afterwards, going out and writing the dialogue and filling in the bubbles based off of the shit that I already drew. So it's like I don't really draw it with the dialogue per se in mind and shit. But for something like this, the new one that I'm working on, it's going to move pretty fast because I'm not going into it thinking Faster. about making some long I want ass it yesterday. epic thing. I need know? it now. Where but is it's, it? It's cool. It's coming, it's coming. Right now, I'm in the I'm in the light research phase because I, I kind of thought at first I was going to do like a crime story about Liberia and then in the middle doing the research for that, I was like, oh man, I'm going to put that on the back burner and I want to do something a bit more out of my element because I usually write crime stories and stuff like that. So it's like I want to do something that's, you know, that done, you know, dragons and, and, and I want the dragons. Where are the dragons? A- a- African African witch doctors. I want African dragons. And, you know what I mean? A Shaka Zulu West figure instead of I don't know what the nigga from Lord of the Rings name is, but one of the swordswinging niggas. Swordswinging? Yeah, no, no, who's who was the, the young sword swinging guy? Uh, not, I the, don't know. not the not the dwarf. Not was Orlando this? Bloom, the other nigga. Avigo. Who's Vigo's um, character? Amigo? Name? Yeah. Vigo Mortensen. I don't know. I can picture his ass. I just call him. I don't Mortensen. know what his character's name was. Y'all motherfuckers know what I mean. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> what so are we doing? Dope. What are we doing today? So today we're speaking with Walter English, aka former love poet. We're gonna get a more thorough introduction for him here in a second, but really, really lively to talk about his Brister English project, um, studying the genealogies of of African descendants of slaves and connecting people with their history. So you want to go ahead and get on into it? Um, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, my man's is is popping on TikTok right now. That this is our this is our first time talking with somebody who's doing stuff on TikTok. I think I think I kind of want to make it a personal mission to like break in all the skeptical, the few if there are any left out there, the skeptical adults who haven't really gotten on TikTok and utilized the different spaces and communities that are on there. So I mean, I, I think partially it comes into like um, just digital literacy, like. Because it's not something we're really taught in school, other than this is how you type. 
Like, this ain't making PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> like, look, nigga, I fucking got locked out of my Facebook account for like four months. I got back on that shit, and I literally don't know how to do a goddamn thing. I'm like, well, how do I check my messages? Like, I don't understand. I get on TikTok, and like, I had that new single come out next week. They were like, go on TikTok and make a viral TikTok dance from the music video. And so I got on there, I got all excited, like, oh, I got my old dance. Like, yeah, let's go. And like, I don't know, I got like four likes. I was like, how does this work? What oh, am I supposed to do? You gotta keep at it. You can't. You gotta keep at it. You gotta yeah, I know. I just don't have. <laughs> I just don't have that persistence. I don't have that time. So. Well, you're busy as fuck, yo. Busy you know as hell, like... bro. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got a. Speaking of good news, I got another crazy announcement for listeners slash you, Mac. I didn't tell you this yet. So, okay. So I had a show last Saturday. And one of my professors in my department came. So I don't really talk about it on the show a whole lot, but you know, I'm getting my PhD and shit. And so this, I mean, this person, this lady, she's a very nice lady, um, came up to me after the show and was like, yo, that was your dissertation. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, you should just submit that and graduate. I was like, excuse me, what? And then I emailed her this week and she was like, yeah, people do like arts based dissertations all the time. There's never, there's like been one other rap one, but like just write a 30 page intro paper about like why this counts as like hip hop education research and then like graduate so my bitch ass is gonna be graduated with a doctorate in like april what's good (laughs) (laughs) that is what's up i can't wait to be done i fucking hate my life anyway so let's get into all right so we'll be back with former love poet right after the jump hey my name is jay shetty and i'm the host of on purpose i just had a great conversation with michael b jordan and you can listen to it right now Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're gonna love listening to it and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Yeah, so today I am very honored that we are joined by... Walter English, the former love poet, rapper, poet, activist, and founder of the Brister English Project, which seeks to help descendants of enslaved people find their history at no charge to them. Um, very popular on TikTok, um, spreading, you know, messages, anti-racism. And so we are very, very excited to have you here today. Just for everybody out there who doesn't know, because I've been, you know, checking out your TikTok page and seeing the different things that you cover and the different things that you talk that you talk about. Mariah's been doing the same, and through that is how we've, you know, come across the Brister English Project. So if you could, could you explain to our listeners in your own words exactly what is the Brister English Project? Um, the Brister English Project, like to, to begin with, it's named after my second great-grandfather. Uh, I saw him, saw his name when he went by just Bristol on a slave ship manifest at 14 years old. Um, to see that and, and to see what he went through and what he became, and just the history, the amount of history that that comes that comes with this, that comes with, it's hard to explain. I always tell people it's really hard to explain. It's, a, it's an amazing feeling. Um, it's a different feeling. I want to give people that feeling. I don't believe Black Americans should have to pay to get their genealogy done. And so with the Bristol English Project, uh, people sign up on the list. Um, I'm in phase two right now with the project, so I have volunteers helping me. Um, I'm talking about people who have years of experience in, in, in doing this uh, for helping me for free. Everything's runs off donations, so um, I make sure I have stuff paid for people to uh, to make sure they're able to work. Um, as well as I got runners who'll go to grave sites for me. He'll go to historical sites to take pictures or whatever. It's just one big project to to help um, American descendants of chattel slavery connect with a past that is like I tell people is more than just dreams and chance. So where did this project come from? We spoke some about you know I think you said your your great-great-grandfather. Um, and so clearly you know a little bit about your history, but how, what was your process for actually launching this project? And as well, like how, how it works, some of the internal processes that help bring this history to folks. So um, it started at, like I said, after I, I was doing, uh, I made a free database. That's what I started with. I started with a free database of resources to help people. Um, people still want to, you know, how do I do this? They, I uh, had more questions, so I said, why not I do it? It's supposed to start off small. It's supposed to be, you know, I launched it on Christmas. I was planning it a month prior. Um, I got the historian who helped me find out all this information. She jumped on the project with me. Um, and then I got the funding on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day, I launched everything. And um, and that's really, that's, that's really it. And as far as the internal working go, uh, what I do is uh, people fill out a form. Uh, your name, your grandparents' name, your, you know, if you know any any kind of info to help us out. 
we go right on Ancestry. Uh, we start putting in information. Um, we use sources like uh, Genealogy Bank, um, Newspaper Archive, Newspaper.com, anywhere information may be found. Lost friends. Um, when do we start your tree? Um, a lot of people might like the focus going straight back, which is always good. You want to know who your great, 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 great grandparents are. But for us black Americans, we run into a wall because you know, at one point we become property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and so what I like to do is not only focus back, but focus on what I call the branches. So you get to see your cousins. Sort you get of to see your aunts and well. uncles. Yeah, that's not cool. Know everybody. Um, and like working on this project, I'm starting to see people that's related. Yeah. They don't even know that they're related. Yeah. So just like it's, it's 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 a good it's a it's a good feeling. And then I do like a few videos. If I always ask permission, hey, we like for me to talk about this on my TikTok. Um, I'm running across some uh, like amazing history. Um, and, I, and, and me being able to share that with people, not only the people who are who it directly affects, but all of us to see. Find, find one of the 1200 black lawyers in 1930 mm-hmm. is related to somebody on TikTok yeah. like yeah it's stuff like so what are so, some of the crazy like, stories you've uncovered and, and you know from history or you know impressive insights that have you have drawn from doing some of that uh, genealogical work uh personally just in my family alone uh craziest thing that I've seen I think it's about um in 1940 or 1930. Uh, my aunt, one of my grand aunts, she had a, a husband. And when you're looking at everything that, like the records and where they lived at and who they were with, it looked like he was cheating on her. Mm-hmm. So she divorced him. So a woman divorcing a man in 1930, you were you you could be deemed as crazy. Literally, they yeah. would put you on an insane asylum. And so he sent my aunt to an insane asylum after she divorced him. Bruh, what? And not only in the insane asylum, yes, not only in the insane asylum, but um, uh, Longview or Lakeview, excuse me, Lakeview, I believe it is, in Cincinnati, Ohio, is one of the most infamous places. Yeah, it's like a Shutter and, Island type of joint. Ex- yeah, it is. It is awful. And she had to spend. She she ended up spending um, at least I think at least seven years in there before she passed away. What? No, and, that's crazy. And towards the end of it. Yeah, and towards the end of her, like, to, like during that asylum, um, it progressively got worse because it couldn't hold as many people, but it took in that many people. Yeah. So people didn't get fed. They lived over sewage. Um, it was just it was just a bad environment. But then you also, when you when I'm looking, because I look through the documents, I'm not just saying, oh, that name matched with that. I want to see through what happened. And, you, and everybody in her family, or in, in that side of the family, died young who was involved with him. So her brother who worked with who worked for he died in his 20s his sister the sister that he was cheating with uh died in her 20s her late cheating 20s cheating with, with her sister man her sister and then he married her co-worker according to the city director and then she died in an insane asylum man yo niggas don't ever change they still, like they still see shit like that to a lesser degree but you know similar mindset in 2022 oh yeah, oh, yeah. still that's the yeah that mindset is still going I on I mean today. that sounds like a, a plot for a movie man like that's <laughs> that shit is wild it's wild to so, me the level of detail that you can get into not just like oh you're you know oh you like your great great grandfather was a famous carpenter in like the city of what's it but like down to the level of this person was cheating with this person it's like that's that's amazing that's amazing what you can discover through the through these databases right so how many of them have you done so far 
um close to 20 so oh, far okay, okay personally do you find like, it personally? gets do you find it gets easier with each one or like you get more of a like an efficiency in your being able to research and stuff with each one that you do the efficiency yes um once the list jumped from it literally jumped from 74 well it jumped from 14 people to 74 overnight and yeah. then 74 to 1200 oh shit so once it hit 1200 i got like i need some help and so I brought in, I've been doing like a slow process. I brought in some volunteers, see how they can work, how we can work together. Mm-hmm. So with like the volunteers, so like personally, I did about 20. With the volunteers I've been trying out for the past month, we probably got close to 30 while I've been doing the background, mm-hmm. getting stuff in order stuff. They still been working. And, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I find it gets easier because I know what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and with Black history, you got to look out for certain things when you're looking in through our ancestry. Uh, you got to look out for different name spellings. Mm. Right, um, you have right. to keep in mind who lived with who at what time. Um, going from mixed to black to mixed to black on different senses, but you know that's still your that's your people. So it's that part got easier. You know, I've been doing it for so long now. Like seeing stuff like that, it's it's easier to know what I'm looking for, what to look out for. And, yeah, yeah. Have you encountered any limitations thus far? I'm sure, like given the thoroughness of record keeping, particularly when you go back to like slavery times um, and then certain laws around like anti-miscegenation where people weren't, you know, showing up on birth certificates, et cetera, uh-huh. mislisting race. I've, you know, been studying my own like indigenous ancestry and they listed all the natives as black. There was only white or black on like the census yeah. form. So um, do you run into issues like that and trying to trace people's lineage? Yeah, I mean, um, you come across that where like you get things that's a maybe like I'm not I'm not too sure about that you know so I, I like to ask people I like to ask people questions when we get to some, some of those points and and a lot of people I find out don't talk to like their grandparents yeah. about their past and, and history and stuff like that because I told I asked one person a question I showed up one person like hey this is your um, I believe this is your, your your grandfather I'm not too sure uh, but this is the this is a marriage certificate. I believe this is your grandmother on there, but they spelled her name with a K instead of a C. Yeah. Can you show her to it? And they she starts to learn about all different kind of family members that she had all over the like. So like it's yeah. <laughs> so with the um, you're saying that uh, the number of requests for it so it jumped up to twelve hundred. You said. You're at around 1,200 and currently sitting at 2,000. Okay, so if you have, if you've got like 2,000 of them sitting in the chamber right now, just knowing like the sort of space that TikTok is, do you, do you ever, do you find yourself like running into the issue of perhaps like white people not understanding exactly what it's about and perhaps wanting you to do the, the, the research for them? Oh my God, look at mine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got tagged in a video today. Oh, like, word. Even, like somebody like people are tagging who might tag me to somebody like a white woman's comment she look for an answer it's like oh he has a project that can help I said it's not for her it's not for her but I ran into the issue of people get they let, they let the you know fragility take over yeah do you get, find there's like broader pushback that you know there's some people who get mistaken with like this project ain't for y'all are there any is there people out there that were like mad about it because people oh, on the yeah, internet get mad about anything oh yeah no there's a ton of people that were mad at one woman made three videos about me and like, got, yeah, she made three videos about me, and she was like, "Look, I tracked my family back to 1830, and this says uh, this says they were mixed. His name was Charlie, and I'm like, so you did the work. You, you, <laughs> Congrats, you, like, yeah. It's like you, 
you want me to find like I, I don't know she thought I, I was like a magical negro and could just connect with all black people but I couldn't so I'm like miss I can't do that doing seances to bring their great great granddad back out plus, the Ouija board like, plus your oh, thing is your thing is like specifically for descendants of slaves too it's like I don't understand how you that's what I'm like, saying just jump into people, that <laughs> Um, people, oh, hey, I'm Irish. That's why I keep getting. I'm Irish. We were, we were slaves. You're indentured servitude. Plus, you know that you're Irish. I'm black. Like exactly. You know, yeah. That's the difference. I'm trying to let people know. Like, I'm like, you never been the butt of a slave joke. Yeah. You never been. You never been in that situation to understand. Like, okay, I really can't. I don't know what my family did. I don't know yeah. who my people were. Yeah. Like I don't know what yeah. part of Africa they were from. And like, that kind of that yeah. kind of level of detail is probably lost to. His, I mean, would you say that's like lost to history? Yeah. Almost yeah, altogether. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. But one thing I'll say that um, with with the um, American descendants of slave of enslaved people is that we created this culture that's from the south to to the east coast, west coast. We have a culture of being black that we still made here like and 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 with that culture you can see it throughout history like from occupations to places they lived to to the things they did to what they sold to the land that was big like when when i when i come across agricultural records and i see land that they own i see exactly what they grew and how they how they ran stuff it was it's It's, it's, it's our own history like I, I can't go back as far as like you know I know you're from Nigeria and I can find this but I can show you the not so bad parts of history that is still black culture yeah That's yeah um, what do you find people take away from for the folks that you for whom you've already completed like their genealogy like what do they take from it like what 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 um does that lend to their to their lives like knowing what their roots are I've had people everybody cries like, yeah. I don't know why but everybody cries that's that's one big thing and like I'm like that's the feeling that that's hard to explain um but everybody I got told I changed people's lives um I had one yeah I got told like I changed people's lives by doing this um um who told me somebody wants to help out the project I did like I helped them out they want to actually join on now to help people because again they see how that feels and how how the experience is um some people said I, I plugged in missing pieces of their life um Sakitha who's on on TikTok the bigger creator uh we've stumbled across her dad by accident wow I had my historian she never knew her father wow. and as soon as we saw the picture of his high school photo I'm like wow that's her face that's her exact face so I had to email her. I said, hey, I got a picture of your dad. I don't know if you want to see it, but she said, sure. And sure enough. And so like that, she said that she felt like, like an alien in her family. She didn't look like anybody. Yeah. But now she felt like she belongs. Yeah. So it's like, that's kind of feelings. So this, this might be kind of a technical question, but what is it about TikTok that makes it the right platform to do this? Oh man. A lot of eyes. A lot of eyes, things can go like that in, yeah. a, in a heartbeat. In a in a heartbeat. Like I was talking about the Bristol English project since the 17th, I think, where I kind of announced it to people, launched it a week later. Um, and I wasn't really getting I had seven people. I respond to a racist white person on there with with me talking about it, and then boom, twelve hundred people. Mm-hmm. Like that. 
uh, just TikTok is a great is a great platform right now. So I believe number one at the moment, if you want to grab somebody's attention. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was asking just because I mean, you'd be shocked at how many people my age even now are still under the impression when i talk to them about tiktok having interesting things or like oh man it's all dances and blah blah, blah. you know what i mean like we're still we're still at this page of getting people over that stigma of tiktok right that is just people just kids up there dancing i'm yeah. like nah bro i'm telling you there's like it's different sides of tiktok like it's so- literally a a, a, a a corner of tiktok for like any interest that you have really any interest <laughs> you you mentioned like people often have really strong emotional reactions to hearing about their genealogy and sometimes they cry and um this actually made me think of i'm not sure I'm, well actually i feel like you of all people would probably know about this but when they did george floyd's genealogy um and finding like all the ways that the system in various in various you know ways like screwed over his family over and over again to sort of create a picture, you know, people you know, people on the right, you know, white supremacists want to say, oh, he was a drug addict, oh, he, you know, beat his wife or whatever. But if you go back in his genealogy, I believe it was his great-great-grandfather, um, when he got his freedom, he accumulated 500 acres of land that then were just stolen, just straight up stolen by white settlers. And then later on, I think it was his grandmother, she was like very, you know, she was... Um, very accomplished academic in high school, wanted to become a lawyer. They wouldn't let her go to law school. Um, she, she taught herself how to read and write and stuff and ended up being like a really, you know, really good at school. Couldn't go to law school because they just said, we don't accept y'all. And so thing after thing after thing, which kind of like helps us understand and give context to how somebody like George Floyd ended up in the situation he ended up in. Like, yeah, he might've been on drugs, might've had, you know, priors, etc. But like it contextualizes it in a way like you understand how someone could become that way. So do you ever find people who get emotional about their results in having to face the kinds of struggles that our people have always gone through? I don't think I have, I don't think I've ran into that just yet where people like are really upset or get kind of emotional to be like, that's what I kind of faced. Oh, I, well, I take that back. Um, it's normally folks who I can find uh, slave census for. Yeah. If I can find a slave census and I sh- and I can show you that, um, I show somebody. I was like, I think they were looking for their fifty. I was looking for a fifty-five-year-old black woman because they didn't have names on there. So look for a fifty-five-year-old black woman, and I find the census uh, with the same location area, and it's kind of like the same reaction I had that they had, where it's like you got to be just kind of quiet. You just got to think to yourself, like, yeah. It makes history tangible. Yeah. And it's just like that's what they did. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people who, who are taking part of this are, are are proud, are come with pride of that, hey, they their ancestors went through this to go through that and now they're here. True. Like histories now, of struggle know, so. are also histories of triumph in a sense. Like even if all that our people have had to live through can kind of just be really heavy on the heart to like just think about that sorrow and that pain. But also we survived, you know, they survived enough to have their own kids who then had their own kids and here we are today. So in another way, yeah, it totally makes sense that that could be inspiring even if, like if, you know, the story you told about, what was that, your great-great-grandmother? Or, you know, mm-hmm. getting in the, the Santa's house, that, that's heavy, that's heavy, man, you know? But also like being able to actually know your, yeah, like just have, I guess I can imagine 
like really understanding your history after sort of being told all when we were growing up that it's lost to history, even though it's not. It's not really. You can find it if you look for it. Um, can can be really empowering. So, so speaking of history, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like who who are you? Yeah. So you're an activist. <laughs> you're a poet. You're a rapper. So like yeah. So. Oh, you're, see, a, I didn't even, I didn't now even know a you geneolo- not Now a yeah. genealogist. And so how did you get, yeah, so talk to you, talk to us a little bit about your arts background. Um, I've been writing forever. Um, I love, I used to story write. Um, I think when I was in the third grade, I started writing poetry. Um, I used to, I'm, I'm a 90s baby. I used to watch Death Poetry Jam mm-hmm. uh, with, with uh, most stuff and stuff. So I got into spoken word. Uh, my family's big into music. And so I was like, you know, I, could, I can write some songs and whatever. Uh, by the time I turned 18, I was going to college. Uh, 19, I booked my first like big show here in my city at a club I was underage for, but they still let me perform. Um, uh, that led to just just a, a lot more opportunities. I ended up performing at uh, Castel Grish. It's one of the biggest wineries here in New York. Um, I ghost. I was ghostwriting for for a little while. Wrote for Doritos, MTV, oh. Nickelodeon, over fifty other companies. That's what's up. Um, and then 2019, like I've always been a poet, but I always kept my poetry to myself. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my music, I'm like, I, this is my. I can go out there. I got the music going. Poetry, everybody's eyes on you is quiet. That's so they funny. Yeah, because I had the opposite experience. I was like a poet in high school I did slam poetry in like college but and I wrote rhymes but like I didn't tell nobody because like that was a whole it was like a kind of taboo in a way of like oh tip out mm-hmm. like oh you gangbang like what um, and then later yeah. like stepping out like man I'm not gonna just sit here and not like I got sick bars I don't know what I'm doing Hell, sitting on all these yeah. but it's interesting I, how I, it differs from person to person I was telling everybody in the world that I rap. I was like, yo, look yeah. at I was like, I was walking around with my notebook and shit, like, yo, look at how many words. <laughs> my vocabulary oh, yeah, is prideful. intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was prideful about my rap. Like I knew I can I can piece together a story. So yeah, who are some of your uh who are some of your influences? Um, writing scheme that people hear how how I write sometimes, um uh Rock Him. Okay, work for me. Just his gotta be. I, I bridge the way I think, I break I break things down to a science almost. And I was just like, wow, I like how he rhyme in the middle, beginning and end, and how he flipped that. And then just for writing preferences, uh, Royster Five Nine was big with my writing. Um, Wayne, when I when it came to similes, that yeah, was my. Yeah, no, was my he's crazy with it. To this day, I'm just like, man. Yeah, and then um, Nas, Nas, and then when I got older, Jay Z. I didn't okay. like Jay Z when I was younger. Yeah, I mean, when I got older, I, I could appreciate it. I yeah, could appreciate yeah. the bars and everything. That makes okay, sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So does and then um, my probably my biggest, my biggest, and people all oh, people don't chew me up for this is going to be Kanye. I understand, man. We've talked Kanye. about him on the show all M- the time. Musically, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> like back at like, because I like grow, I had 15 surgeries coming up. Yeah. And so when I heard through the wire mm. for the first time as a kid, that resonated, and I was like, if he could rap. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then so I'm like, Kanye gave me that big thing. And I saw him on Death Poetry Jam. I'm like, oh, you writing poetry too? Mm-hmm. I can write poetry as well. You know, so that was kind of, like, yeah, is I'm here because of yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So is is there a do you think at all there's a relationship between like the hip hop aspect of your identity and some of the work that you're doing with the Bristol English project? Yeah. I believe so. I believe so. I think um 
the creativity. Mm. It's getting this message across so people so it's, so it's digestible for people. Mm. I can get up here and, t- and talk about all the boring facts and everything like that, but if I make it exciting, um, I talk in poems sometimes in my in my in my videos. That gets people attention. If I get a ooh ooh, I I want they want to hear what I'm gonna say next. Yeah. And so I just just how I my my, my hip hop persona, I, I can I can come up here with all the confidence in the world because I feel like I'm the best at what I do right now. You can't tell me otherwise, and I'm gonna say what I gotta say. So you think it's like it helps out like with the because I'm 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 an advocate of like using hip hop as like a form of communication to like. It makes people learn things and retain information better. You know, as far as I go. So, do you think like that aspect of hip hop that you know helps all of us MCs be communicators? You think that's like the the biggest way it helps out? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Because we got to get our message across. That's exactly. the big. That's the big thing. We have to get our message across in a short amount of time. time yeah. Um, that's it's same thing. I love like slam poetry. Like you got three minutes, <laughs> go talk your talk, and you got to make this connection with somebody. And so I think when. We, when people hear like rappers talk in certain situations and stuff, people who, who are like, they got this preconceived notion of like, like we're dumb or something like that. But I'm like, can you, can you write a three minute song that makes sense and, and, and this like that? So I can talk and talk to people like it's nothing. Right. That's why a lot of us be able to do that. And it's like, why oh, they so charismatic? We, we, we gotta be. So maybe it's answered because of like how important the Bristol English project is to you. But is there a particular like political issue or social issue that you would say just on a personal level is like at the top of your priority in terms of things that you're usually thinking about or talking about um top of my list uh reason i joined the naacp to get closer to uh to help black women um they died at four times higher rate during maternity um and even higher in my city so uh we got rochester general out here uh, to to change to get more black midwives and to get more um, black nurses involved, black doctors, black yeah. OBGYNs to help black women. Absolutely, uh, they yeah. should be dying at a four times higher rate than any other race. Down here in um, Georgia, it, black women have a higher maternal mortality rate than Iraq <laughs> and yeah, a lot of other like developing quote unquote developing countries. So yeah, maternal black maternal mortality is a huge issue. Huge so, so what I'm, are some I'm of the, to hear you working uh, working on that? What are some of the reasons that they give for it? Oh, they don't. It's or do they not even bother? It don't even bother. But when you look at history, you look at um, the father of gynecology. Look at J. Marion Sims, right? J. Marion Sims. Uh, I forgot the the enslaved woman's name, but he used to operate on enslaved people, um, normally women. Um, he was he was the one that used to take the uh, trigger warning for folks used to take. The, the tool to open up shoes, yeah, and they crack baby skulls. That guy, yeah, crack yeah. black baby skulls because the Negro brain, yeah, I, I heard that. yeah. So like, um, what he used to do was when he operated on the black women awake. That's why we have the bias now in the medical field that black people don't feel pain, right? It's like other races, I used to operate them on on them awake, dirty table, utensils, whatever, and if they survived it. They normally develop a kidney infection or a urinary tract or something because it's filthy. He told them it's because it's their fault. They didn't take care of themselves. Yeah. So, so it's black women not taking care of themselves. That's the issue. And not not these doctors mishandling people. You know, so So they 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 try the they do the culture and genetics thing for like that too. Mm-hmm. That's yes. Um, and I would have if, oh, uh, sorry. They did a, 
uh, they did a study with nurses, um, uh, nurses going to school a few years back, and they did a poll on do black people feel, you know, less pain or more pain? And they thought that black, a lot of them thought that black uh, black people felt less pain. Among current current um, medical students, right? Yep. Yeah. Current, current, current medical students. students. Yeah. Um, and with that, like, it, it's close to me because that, that hit home. Like, I woke up in the middle of a surgery, my 11th surgery. Um, I woke up in the middle of my 11th surgery and the nurse looked at the doctor. Clear as day. I'm up. Clear as day. I'm trying to catch breath. Nurse looked at the doctor and said, you can finish while he awake. Bruh, yeah. what? She looked at the doctor and said, you can finish while he's awake. Oh, my yeah. God. That's insane. And then we, on the on the subject of um, maternal morta- mortality, I think, I, I mean, and this is just understanding a lot of issues to, through like sort of an intersectional lens. If you look at the disproportionate right. numbers of black women living in poverty, that might then cost somebody, they're not really, they're not making their uh, prenatal, you know, gynecology appointments to check up on how right. things are going. So they might not know they have gestational diabetes. They might not know they have hypertension or something like that. And then and additionally, um, you know, if you're in working poverty, if you're working 40, 50 hours a week while you're pregnant, um, you know, up until you up until you deliver pretty much. Um, and then, you know, you got to be back at work a week later because otherwise you get fired or you get fired anyway. The kinds of pressures folks are under because we just, dis- you know, disproportionate rates of poverty um, and, you know, environmental racism environment, you know, envi- uh, toxic stress from racism, et cetera that I imagine play into that as much as, you know, medical racism um, and things like that. It's wild, but I'm really glad that you look at your, you know, it's, I think it's an under, understudied, under advocated for area. And so, especially as someone that isn't directly impacted, though you have experienced medical racism yourself, it's great that, you know, you're using your voice to help elevate an issue that, you know, doesn't directly impact you, but is incredibly important. So where can people find you yo, when they, if they want to check out and what can they do if they want to help you with uh, everything that you're doing? So if you um, if you want to reach me out, reach out to my social media. I'm a former love poet everywhere. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, uh, Facebook. Um, if you want to help out with the Bristol English Project, uh, monetary donations help uh, a ton. I make monthly payments on stuff. And I, I, like I said, I provide everything for everybody who's helping monetary donations um if you go to brister ep.me brister ep.me um there is a there's two donate links as well as all the information about the project word up all right well thank you so much for being here um one of these days once you list things out a little bit once you make some a dent in it i might have to put my name down there to find a little bit yeah the parker family tree come rock with yeah for sure yeah thank you for stopping talking to us Hey, thank you for having me. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, 
And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're gonna love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was former love poet. Bruh, dropping. It's, so, it's so cool to see people just like be passionate about something and just like offer that their passion to the world. Like, oh, I found and out a lot about yeah. like my own history. So now I'm just going to offer everyone the opportunity right. to learn about their history. To like, do it on their own. Yeah. yeah that's and so who cool. knows? I mean, yo, I mean, the whole time that we were talking to him, I just I have this feeling in the back of my head that. That's just going to blow the hell up even more than it already you is. Already said he had, I think, like, I think on the he's. List. Yeah, but I think I'm talking more. I'm talking oh, yeah, more. I yeah, think yeah. he's. I think he's gonna be really busy in the coming <laughs> yes. months. And, you know, I think he's so. gonna need to expand the team. But yeah, if you're yeah, interested in his definitely. work, I would not recommend putting on the getting on the waiting list right now because the man is busy as hell. But if you do have genealogical, you know, archival research skills, hit a motherfucker up. Help, Help out. out. Help yeah. connect people with their history. It's like a beautiful and if you, service to provide. If you can't contribute to, if you can't contribute in that form. Hey, a, a couple dollars helps, yo. So throw them something, help them fund that thing, and keep it going. Yeah. But um, speaking of keeping it going, we gotta end this shit and get the raps going. You feel like rapping? Yes, <laughs> I will. Well, I'm you gonna rap? God I damn. am gonna rap. <laughs> goddamn it! All right, let's hit it. 
Joel, drop a You promoting an album. I know, I know. I gotta do rap music. <laughs> Yo, Joel, drop that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Life's coming too fast, we can't catch up And we keeping it too cool, you can't stress us If you want a nanny, go get you a friend dresser Beat you so bad, you're feeling my ancestors Think about it often, makes me crazy Lost track of the fam, it was traced to slavery You wanna just know it, you gonna just show it That's my homeboy's project, former love poet But the Nazis marching all up in Orlando Candace Owens still acting like she a Sambo Your favorite rapper still talking about a Lambo I'm in a waiting line, trying to buy me some ammo Dope knife, give me my reparations now Superhero shit when I rock a cape and cow Kill the mic, then I gotta go and take a bow. Where's the sacred cow? Make him wave the towel. Do it with a smile. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I see us knocky liberals happily back at the family brunch hour. Probably would have grabbed me, dragged me off of a lunch counter back in Greensboro. Diversity quotas getting filled, but maintaining the status quo a horror. I know history is important, but when I check it out, it's a mystery. I'm looking back at my family tree for the missing links. I know who my mama's father was and who all the sisters be, but to dig deeper down into it, might check out that Bristol thing. Yeah, yeah. You are listening to Waiting on Reparations. I'm Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we will see y'all next week. Peace. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. And I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 